and be a producer. Don't be a consumer, be a producer. Put some stuff out there that people see as valuable. And if you're putting out value, money will follow. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ARC podcast show. I'm your host, Shah. Welcome. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the Mufasa of the business world, Mr. Steve Balmer Watwoods is here. How are you? I'm good, Shah. Very, very good. And also, you have to ask me again about Black Friday because we kind of, <laughs> I had a few emails in the week where there was a few people that were saying, you said that you were against Black Friday, but didn't explain why. So during this podcast, I'll explain to you why I'm not a fan of Black Friday, especially now Black Friday has happened. We'll, uh, we'll touch upon it. Do you know why I called you Mufasa? The Lion King trailer came out and it is ridiculously exciting. And I read a fact, apparently, Walt Disney put in his will that every film has to be remade every 10 years so that every generation gets to enjoy it. Wow, that is powerful, eh? Wow, that is very powerful. That's what we're going to do with these podcasts as well. They're going to have to be remade every 10 years. Um, Guys, we are joined today by entrepreneur, founder, co-founder, of Essential Business Magazine, uh, friend of the family and an extremely good personal friend as well. Uh, Raheem Ali is with us today. Raheem, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello, everyone. This is a difficult one because um, I've known Raheem for 12 years, 10, 12 years. Probably longer than that. Longer than that. And if you want to talk about growth, you don't know this, but every time I, I look at myself and I analyze myself, I think about you because I've seen you grow from a boy and we were boys um, to an adult, to a father, to a business owner. And every time I see you, there's a new hustle. There's a new direction that you want to go into. There's a new thing you want to do. And, and it's beautiful to see because you're not afraid of anything. And that's, and that's partly why um, we wanted to, to meet up with you today because you don't often find that someone will find something that works for them and they stay in it. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, just tell us a little bit about the magazine, how you started it and a little bit about yourself too. Yeah, sure. So um, we started the magazine about five years ago, roughly. And um, we've had really good times. We've had some bad times, but um, it's been a, it's been a good journey. So um, ups and downs, ups and downs. Uh, family wise, <clears throat> I've got um, three kids, got a big family extended family as you can imagine with Asians um we've got a huge huge amount yeah. of people in my family itself but yeah no um I'm blessed I'm grateful for everything I have and uh yeah I'm happy with how life is progressing the the magazine itself is just tell us a little bit about that so how long yeah. has it been going for why did it start and what's it was the actual purpose of the magazine because okay. it's not a fashion magazine when you first yeah, said yeah, magazine yeah. to me when you first started I got excited <laughs> I thought this is it my modeling career is going to take off <laughs> I quickly realized it wasn't <laughs> um the magazine basically what I tend to do is anything that I have experience in I try and use my knowledge that I have and ex- experience that I have to try and launch a business out of it so I was in the magazine industry similar industry for about good now it's been about 10 years when we launched, it was about eight to 10 years I was in the industry itself. Got a good network and um, just took that jump, that leap of faith. And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been treating us well. 
So the magazine itself is not print, is it? It's a, it's a it's digital a magazine focusing on, on what, sorry? Uh, it's B2B. Um, we're looking at businesses in Africa. So we're looking, talking about growth, success, investments, developments within Africa. It's a platform for those companies to promote themselves outside of the traditional markets itself, internationally. Steve, have you ever dealt with a, a business like this before? No, I haven't actually. Um, not in terms of magazine. Obviously, within the fashion industry, um, I've dealt with businesses that are global, that are niche and come together as a collective and support each other to appeal to a wider market. And I think that's kind of what you're doing, where you've yeah. taken a niche um, and you've sort of got together collectively to give a platform for smaller independent businesses that want to speak to a bigger market. So I've experienced that, but not in the magazine world, but obviously within retail. So what are the, what are the, the, the dangers, if there are any, of having a, a digital magazine in this day and age? Well, I think it's a very competitive market. I think that's the first thing I would say. And that obviously you've seen that shift um, from where everything was at once was print to now a mixture of um, print and digital. And I still believe that, you know, one's not necessarily better than the other. It's about a combination of the two to make it work. Um, but I'd say that the, the hardest thing, I think, is it's a very, very competitive market. And also, you know, because it's digital, um, the movement in terms of speed is really, really fast. So your copy, your conversation um, is dead by tomorrow because the reality is it's already been said. So where in, in the print days, you know, you had a, a sh your shelf life was longer yeah. um, where that's not the case now. So I would say for me, they're the two things, very competitive market. And secondly, you have to be very fast, fleet of foot to really make it work. Raheem, why did you um, why did you focus on Africa? Because I mean, as you've already mentioned, Asian um, background. You're you're from Bangladesh. You originate from Bangladesh. Um, there's a huge business community there, as there is in Pakistan, where I'm from, and generally in the whole um, subcontinent. There's a massive entrepreneur uh, mentality there. Could you have easily uh, used the same formula for there, perhaps? Um, no. The pure reason is the marketplace in Asia and in those countries, in Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, they're not as established as the market in Africa. Our primary market is South Africa, and South Africa has got a lot of resources, a lot of trade. It's an established business community itself. Um, it's got strong infrastructure, so that's something that I won't be able to do as well within Asia in in subcontinent of India itself, um, yeah, I think that I think that that's why and and the network itself as well because we've been in the industry for so long we've utilised the network that we have and that's why we've carried on with this marketplace itself. Okay, so you, yeah, you looked at their structure and, and, and thought you could capitalise on that, and and that goes back to the the hustle that I was talking to you about because like I said, every time I meet up with you, which isn't as often as I'd like it to be, but you know it's mainly your fault. Um, we. You, you have a new idea. Um, you're currently co-owning this um, essential business, yeah. um, but you have your fingers in other pies, as it were. Yeah. What, else, what else are you doing behind the scenes? Um, so, not so much behind the scenes. Um, still very much in front of the scenes. Um, I've got Eurotech Engineering in the background there as well. Um, so, Eurotech is very, very different from Essential Business Magazine itself. And again, Eurotech is something that I've got that, that, that sector is something I've got 
experience in. So I've got a degree, half of my degrees in physics. Um, I've got a BSc in physics. So from utilising that degree, I went into working for an engineering company. Now, I got a lot of experience for the industry itself. And using that network, using the knowledge that I built up, the skill set that I built up, we launched Eurotech Engineering. This was um, a couple of years ago. It's an existing brand. We've bought the brands and we've done the right things legally to take care of that brand itself. And we're going out servicing um, existing customers. Steve, is there the fear, and to be honest, this is something that I said to you before, Raheem, is there the fear that Raheem may be spreading himself too thin? He's got a good hustle with the Essential Business magazine. As he mentioned, there's good and bad times. And then he has this other Eurotech on the side, which is a completely different sector, completely different genre. Um, is there, the, is there a, a danger that he may be spreading himself too thin? One of the key things um, that Kareem mentioned was that he had experience in that particular type of business. So he had knowledge. Yes. Okay. And I think that's what makes what Raheem's doing unique because... He's focusing on um, businesses that he understands and has knowledge in. And I would say, as long as you're um, working within your talent base or you have people associated with you that have the correct talent base to be able to penetrate that business, it's fine. I think where the issues come is if you're trying to spread yourself too thin and you have little knowledge of that business or you have... Um, you don't have the right people around you that have knowledge of that business, it becomes difficult. There's, yeah, there's a reason at the moment why um, the, the businesses that are doing very well are the niche businesses that are very clear about what their business is, um, where, where the needs are, where the opportunities are, where the growth is. And they're the businesses that are doing really well right now. And if my, my um, um, sort of gift to people is... If you don't know, make sure you surround yourself with people that know. Um, and don't be afraid to say, do you know what? I don't know. Yeah. So before you embark on buying a business, starting a business, merging with a business, make sure that you've you've got those bases covered, really. So no, I wouldn't say he's spreading himself too thin. And having sort of um, spoken to him as an individual, he's clear about he will only align himself with businesses that he understands. But like I say, I think to add on that, the team is key because the team is where the skill set is, where the knowledge is. And like, like you said, Steve, if there's something that I don't know, I know 100% my team members do. Mm. And I've surrounded myself and even made some of these guys business partners. So then I know they've got a vested interest in it. And we've both, using our different skill sets, will make the company grow and make it successful. Where does it come from, this, um, this hustle mentality? Where, where, where does it stem from? I think it's been instilled in me from young age. My dad has always been in business. He's hustled his whole life. Um, and I want to provide for my kids. And that's, that's my biggest driver, is to provide for my kids. And if I can make an impact in the world and try and make it a better place, then that's an added bonus. And that's what I drive towards. Yeah, so your dad, I hope you don't mind me saying your dad uh, owned a restaurant. Yes. It still does. Um, he doesn't own the restaurant anymore. He owns the freehold property and leases out the restaurant. Brilliant. Uh, and he came from Bangladesh yeah. to here. Uh, uh, young so age. Younger than I am now. Young age. Yeah. 
it's that hustle, man. It's like they're they're listen, if you ever go to um Bradford, uh if you ever go to Stanmore, uh any part of London, <laughs> there are some heavily populated Asian districts. And it's because there's a hustle back home that you cannot find here. And it's that hustle and that drive that you get from back home in, in wherever you're from that brings you over here and you you keep that mentality, right? And you pass that on to your children. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see that you're doing the same thing here and taking the same values that he brought over here and he raised you with and, and starting your own ventures with. I, I think he's given me um, a step up from what he had. And I think that's what we all need to do every generation that passes. So I need to give my kids a step up so they have a higher platform to start from and they can be more successful than me, my dad, or all of us combined. So that that is the objective, I think. Everybody feeds each other. Yeah. Steve, what about what about you? Where did your uh, love for business stem from? In You had a very different upbringing in the sense of you didn't have a prominent father figure with you. You had an incredibly beautiful and strong mother with you. Where did your hustle come from? I think it came from a lot of things, really. Um, I think, first and foremost, it comes from uh, an inner belief that I wanted to be better. I looked around my surroundings and looked around some of the kind of the, the, the non, if you like, um, example setters um, and role models um, that weren't there. And I decided I wanted to fill that void. And I made that decision very early on. And being brought up in a, a fatherless household um, makes you have to be, um, and dare I say this, the man of the house, even when I was a kid, because there was, my mum looked to me for certain things because I was the eldest. So I think it, start, it started from, from that. And then I think as I sort of grew into my shoes and into my career, I think I was very fortunate to work with some very influential individuals where I took um, the positives from them as individuals and kind of and started to build the foundations of who, who I am today. And that hustle really comes out of a, as a, of a real drive, a real be, um, belief that I can make things better for other people. I strongly believe that. Um, and constantly look within my business to help, support, nourish, enthuse, and drive other people to do better. I think there's no better feeling than looking at someone and knowing that you've contributed to who they are by giving them that nourishment and support. So it comes from that. And, you know, listening to um, Raheem talk, um, it's quite amazing the power that family gives you, regardless of who your family is and how small they are. They give you that power um, to do things. And, you know, I'm reminded listening to Raheem that actually... We are who we are because of our family. We will mould who we are going down the line. But the impact that your family has on you is massive. And when you see some things in the world today and you see people and how they do things, the family has a huge impact, negative and positive, on actually who you eventually be. And I think there comes a turning point, I think, when you start to think, right, how can I mould myself? That never really happened to me until my late 30s, when I really understood the power of me. But it takes a long time to get there. But your family have a huge impact on who you start to be and actually have a huge impact on who you are later on down the line. Uh, 
we've uh, we've mentioned Gary Vee before, and and he has a very different outlook on family, and uh, it's it's tough to hear, and it's even tougher to say. But he said that um, you know sometimes you will have to have that conversation with your mum and your dad and say, listen, you're no good for me. You're not helping me in my grander scheme of things. Yeah. I need to cut you off and I need to go. Um, you're not that ruthless, Raheem. I know you're not that ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't be because I love you, yeah. mum and dad. Um, but you're, you're... Being Asian, there's an expectation as to what you should be doing for a job, for a career. Um there's expectation versus reality. The expectation is that you, you know, it sounds cliche, but you will be a doctor, you will be a solicitor, you will be a business owner of a big bank or something like that. You're doing something that's actually different, but you're using the ethics of your father. So how did the conversation go when you were running it past them, even if you did? They said, why don't you go work in a takeaway or a restaurant? <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> the thing is, the way I see it is Gary V. I, I follow Gary V. and I think he's, all about mindset and I think it's great what he does but he says things to have an impact so although he means don't listen to your parents as much as you think you should he's saying it in a more extreme way to have that impact itself my, my objective is my understanding is that people everyone wants to do well everyone wants the best for everyone else and everyone wants positive things to happen but they can only do that with the limited resources that they have now the limited resource that my parents have is their knowledge so they're not going to know and understand where the internet's going or the online industry is going or where the opportunities are they understand what they've been brought up with and what they have experienced themselves so their framework is different from our framework so although I take advice from them for certain things, I know that I need to tweak that advice and add to it to make it relevant to me and what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely um, second that. And what I would say is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with and the people that you take counsel, counsel, counsel from. Um, and I'm a great believer, you know, wherever I am, whether I'm on a bus, a train, a plane, talk to the people around you because knowledge is power. And the more you kind of fill your brain with, with information and, and conversation, the, the, the more you grow as an individual. And never be afraid to in, embrace um, new technology because you know there wouldn't be a digital um, marketing area if um, technology wasn't embraced. Mm. Um, and that is something... Um, true is how can you do things um, slicker, quicker, in a more e efficient way um, by using technology. But you know, Raheem touches on a very important um, um, point, really, which is you know, it's about taking information from lots of different facets and elements, and and then it's how you use that information to make your business. I'm stronger and dare I say not just your business but you as an individual stronger you know this morning I had to tweak my itinerary slightly because we started earlier so I needed to get up a little bit earlier and um, go to the gym because I wanted to continue my power mental regime that makes me tick so what I didn't do was say oh you know I'm starting a bit later so what I'll do I'll skip that hell no what I did was say, right, I need to just adjust slightly to make it work for me because I want to make sure I'm stimulating the right way 
on this day to um, make things happen for me. And that was a choice that I made to stimulate myself. And I think that's the choice that every business owner has to make every day. How do you stimulate? How do you grow? Who, who, who do you want to communicate with? How are you going to communicate with them for how long, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm a creative, so I need to be fed visually and audio, audioly with so music. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Hashtag we'll, that. We'll, we'll make up a word. Yeah, yeah, we'll make up a word. Audioly. Um, I need to be fed that to, to, to feed my creative spirit, right? And if I, if I have to sit down and read a book, I can't do it. If I have to sit down and, and, and fill in a spreadsheet, I can't do it. But can I sit there and watch hours upon hours upon hours on videos? Absolutely. Can I listen to podcasts all day, every day? Absolutely, because it's individuals talking to me and that resonates with me. But you two, and in this retreat with other business owners as well, you need a constant you need a constant drive all the time. Steve, you're a massive fan of routine. Raheem, I'm not sure if you are a fan of routine or not. I think your family life has pushed you in that yeah, direction. Yeah, I, think, I think I've had to become <clears throat> a fan of routine, so I've adapted. Yeah. Certainly in our early life, we weren't a fan of routine at no, all. Just as long as we knew what time the party started at the night time, we were good. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing to see that, you know, through no form of, uh, you know, through no form of, meeting each other beforehand or anything is outstanding to see how how similar you are and we were talking about something really beautiful before and it's it's that it's that not being afraid of failing not being afraid of of saying that you don't know something and steve you said it on this one as well raheem in terms of the, your next moves because this I, I know for a fact this won't be the last thing that you do you know eurotech or essential business won't be the last things that you do what does the future hold for you? Obviously, you mentioned you now have a family and you want to do everything for them. You have to now make calculated moves in order to make sure that their future is safeguarded. So how do you go about planning your, your next 10 years, 20 years? Yeah, like I was saying to Steve and yourself earlier, um, you can't rely on a single source of income. So my aim for the next few years is to diversify, add more sources of income. So um, I've got a couple of things bubbling at the moment, a few, a couple of new launches happening very, very soon. So I'm focusing on that alongside the existing businesses as well. And that's how we're going to move forward in the next six to six months to a year. Steve, what, talking about planning is one of the P's. I'm terrible at planning when it comes to someone like an individual like Raheem, because here's the thing. There's a lot of people who will start a business and feel that they need to devote 24-7 to that business. They cannot sleep, they cannot eat, cannot drink because they need to be at their laptop working, they need to be making phone calls. Otherwise, they're going to fail. And that's the mentality of a lot of new business owners. They have to drown themselves in this business. You just go to show that you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. Your knowledge is tacit and you learn from others and you, you in particular have applied that knowledge to other businesses and other sources of income and Steve you're very much the same as well you know when you tell me stories about your your previous work history and the car whenever we're going anywhere and like and it's phenomenal every day you come up and tell me something new and I'm like god this guy's really cool like he's really cool I thought I was cool but I'm still cool but like he's really cool and like some of the stuff that you've done is is exciting and 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 just a really fun way to earn money and make a living but you've applied those different pieces of knowledge from different people to your current business. Um, just tell me a little bit about that because 
I, for one, would be scared if I had multiple businesses. It's like spinning multiple plates. I can't spin one, let alone multiple. So how do you go about managing that? Um, obviously, you mentioned planning there in the beginning. And I do think that um, having a plan is critical. However, plans can, some also, can sometimes also be fairly rigid, um, which I'm not a fan of. I think the lovely word I like to use is a plan, which is a framework. So you have a framework um, of where you want to be. And I always say to people, um, fast forward five years and then work backwards. Um, because we all need to know where we're going. And I often talk to business owners about having an ex exit strategy. And what I mean by that is when you're planning your business, also plan for that business to no longer be there and for you to take cash and move on to another thing. Um, and it is about what um, Raheem said. It's about having, um, I call it, now, next, and later. So you, you, the, the short term is all around the next six to 12 months. And then your midterm might be 18 months to three years. And then your long term might be working in five-year chunks. Um, and diversifying is really important. And there's one um, female um, recording artist that I, I often, well, there's two, actually, that I often kind of look at. One is... Um, um, Madonna and one is Kylie Minogue and what I find very interesting about these two individuals is they've both had a very very long career but what they've been able to do is diversify every sort of five to ten years to make sure they are current and make sure they are valid for that particular market at this time and I think there's and I think business is very similar you've always got to be diversifying and you've always got to be looking at your portfolio you've always looking at your business and saying how can we be current you can do that within one business. You don't need to have multiple businesses. You could have one business that has several channels to market or you diversify slightly. But it's the fact that you're constantly looking at diversification. Where I think the issue sometimes set in is where you go, yeah, I'm very comfortable. We've now been going for 10 years doing the same thing. I think that's dangerous. Comfort is dangerous because comfort sometimes means you know am i pushing hard enough am i trying hard enough am i stimulating my workforce force hard enough am i actually growing the people that work within the business that actually they could become um, um better or do things in a different way that they want to so planning is key but it's making sure that you're looking at the the now the next and the later it's not about just looking at the now because we all know low-hanging fruit is great but it doesn't allow you to have sustainability and midterm um, planning is fantastic but if you don't have the, the eye on the prize of the long term you can sometimes crash and burn yeah i agree with that i completely agree with that because end of the day you need to know what your end goal is you need to have that vision you need to know what your destination is but your route might be different to how you planned it. So you need to pivot and manoeuvre whenever you have to as well. Comfort is what, sorry? Comfort? Dangerous. dangerous. Comfort is dangerous. Yeah. And that's why you'll keep on hustling because you don't want to be comfortable because you want to carry on. outside my comfort zone. I want to grow as a person. And the only way to grow is by pushing myself outside my comfort boundaries. You know, I worked with a very um, impactful individual when I was at Norwich, um, a, a lady by the name of Hayley Swain. Hello, Hayley, if you listen to the podcast. Um, and one of the things she really taught me um, in my time at Norwich City Football Club was the people that progress are the people that step outside of their comfort zone and try and look at um, areas which they're not comfortable with and try and make those areas comfortable. And it's about how you kind of show up and position yourself to allow yourself to actually get involved with something that may not be your um, niche. 
and um, you know she always used to talk about that and you know it's such a powerful thing sometimes that actually comfort is deadly it really is it's a killer um, and you see people that get comfortable in what they're doing and actually you start to think well are they at 75% of their capacity where could they get that extra 25% from yeah. so comfort is complacency basically isn't it yeah I like it uh, you told yeah I'll get some air horns on there and explosion noise as well um, Black Friday Black Friday has been and gone Cyber Monday has been and gone um, two biggest waste of times that I know but Steve tell me why you hate it so much I'm a great fan of Christmas I'm a great fan of the tradition of Christmas I'm a great fan of what it means to children what it means to families um, and I think Black Friday has ruined Christmas in this country, in my opinion. I think that um, the constant discounting, the constant stripping of brands, the constant need to kind of do things early has really hurt um, the traditional um, festive period, in my opinion. And I think if Black Friday wasn't here, um, retailers, businesses would have a much better time at this time of year. And actually... You know, there's an argument to say that actually there isn't real value being passed on anyway, um, because a lot of businesses are, are working on Black Friday a year in advance to see how they can maximise profits. But the reality is, I think it just takes from the magic away of Christmas and that whole feeling. I can remember in my early days as being a store manager and an area manager, travelling at this time of the year to go to the shops and meet the staff and talk to them about Christmas, and the buzz was just amazing. And that buzz used to start straight after um, Halloween or you know just after bonfire night now we have to wait for black friday which is at the end of november before christmas really starts so i really think something um special has been taken away and actually i don't believe there's real value being added um to the end user and i just think it seriously needs to be thought about that actually we've kind of disrupted eroded a period um that in my opinion is magical and at the moment isn't magical and you only need to look at the um the Christmas offerings in terms of advertising this year where a lot of businesses have just skimped on it mm. and that hurts because actually we look forward to those magical moments. It kind of emotionally gets us ready for this amazing period where families get together, people, you know, down tools and, and spend quality time. You know what, I was it, it's just bad for your team as well. If you're luckily I was I was I was fortunate and I say fortunate enough to get out of sales before Black Friday and Cyber Monday became a real thing. Um, by the time it really happened, luckily I was in I was into management now, so I was motivating my team. But if you're working in retail, I was on a train back from London on on Sunday night, and there was a a young girl, <clears throat> must have been like mid twenties, and um, my fiance and I were talking. We were trying to figure out train times and stuff, uh, and this girl said, "Oh, I'm going to Norwich as well," and it's like from London to Cambridge, Cambridge to London. Uh, we were like, oh, what have you been doing in London? Have you been shopping? She goes, no, no, I work there. So I, I've just got a job there. Um, I'm the store manager of this particular brand in this particular shop. Uh, and like, and I had to pause because I thought, I mean, you look about 15, so how did you manage that? But she'd obviously done what she needed to do. And I asked her about Black Friday and she said it was the single toughest day that I've ever had. She'd done all the other Black Fridays in Norwich where it had been busier but but nothing compared to that she said she'd worked a 14 hour day she had 
a ridiculous amount of customers and people just backed up and backed up and backed up and she said like, I didn't have a lunch break I didn't do anything but I had to hit my numbers because the targets were there and I just thought the the, the bad thing for you is that that's Black Friday you still got Cyber Monday to come that's going to happen in store too despite it being called Cyber Monday everyone's offering in store offers um, and despite Black Friday being called, called Black Friday it's happened all week and all weekend um, but you're not going to be able to stop until you run up to Christmas and I'm a hundred percent with you, Steve. I listen. I, I mean, I'm a I'm a Pakistani origin Muslim man. There isn't really much in, about me that would suggest that I enjoy Christmas. I love Christmas. I think it's the one time we get a few. There's a lot of hate in the world nowadays. We get a few opportunities to come together as a country, as a nation, and just really relax and enjoy family and enjoy special times and, like you say, magical moments. And it's just been destroyed by people just trying to peddle our money. And people just trying to make the most out of our kindness. You know, you don't actually have to give gifts. Christmas is about family. So they're trying to cash in on our kindness. And it's just wrong. You know, why are people working Christmas Eve? Why is anything open Christmas Eve? It doesn't have to be. Let these people stay at home with their families, enjoy themselves. Oh, it gets me riled up. <laughs> but the Coca-Cola advert came on, so that made me happy and I'm all right. Um... Guys, as always, before we end the show, we're going to ask for three top tips um, in the business world. So, Raheem, your three top tips for starting a business, running a business, running multiple businesses. Have a good network. Have a good team around you. Don't be afraid to delegate. I think that's very key. Step outside your comfort zone. Grow as a person. Grow before the business grows, so the business catches up to your growth itself. So have the skill set ready before the business is there. And be a producer. Don't be a consumer. Be a producer. Put some stuff out there that people see as valuable. And if you're putting out value, money will follow. That was like seven, but they were all good. And your family, you can have as many as you want. Um, Steve, what about you? Top tips for Raheem, but also as a business owner. Yeah, it's really hard to give um, Raheem top tips because he looks like he's doing all the things. <laughs> yeah. But what was really interesting about what you just said, you know, just, just the way he sort of reeled those off just gives you confidence in, in him as an individual. He gets it. And what I would say to, to Raheem for me is um, don't forget to push the boundaries of the current businesses because there's always opportunities with the current. And sometimes in our ability to change the new we sometimes forget the opportunities with the current. And diversifying doesn't always mean about newness. Diversifying could also mean about looking at your current business and seeing how you can um, um, position it in a different way to drive more on the bottom line. And I think the second thing is, um, dare I say it, but work-life work balance is, is still the single most dangerous thing in our business community and with entrepreneurs and you know dare I say you know I'm also you know critical of myself in this area as well in that sometimes in our need to sort of feed ourselves the food which the food for us is ambition is achieving we sometimes forget to get the balance right and and I know one of the ways I've been able to do that is by waking up slightly earlier which gives me a longer day but allows me to balance it. So work-life balance, I'm going to throw that in there. And then the third thing for me, you know, and this has come really on the back of spending some time um, with, with Raheem today, and that is don't be afraid to get it wrong. Because by getting things wrong, we learn. 
and by getting things wrong we're able to get it right for the future so all the people listening to the podcast you business owners people working in businesses people that are working for people don't be afraid afraid to get it wrong and also people that are in charge of people encourage people to get it wrong in order that they're not they're confident to come to the forefront with new ideas and new ways of doing things superb uh guys that is it for this week thank you very much for listening um as always you can check out the website 8rc.co.uk for all of our social links and we'll also make sure to drop um raheem's social links in the description as well thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next week